Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. guys welcome back to conspiranormal and we are here myself and this guy here right here Sergio, and uh we're gonna just talk about a grab bag of topics we got one of our favorite uh, friends of the show mr david metcalf is back joining us dave welcome back to conspiranormal man always good to chat with y'all yeah yeah you've been uh you've been helping us out a lot recently um you did not too long ago a presentation about a couple of months ago now you did a presentation uh for our patreons which uh you guys can get on to the uh patreon and uh watch that i believe that's at the ten dollar level so origin of the starseed narrative yeah yeah which i think is what you're gonna talk about when we uh, have strange realities here in october yeah yeah i after i did the presentation um a lot of great feedback from everybody that was in that uh that zoom meetup and uh and then additional stuff just kind of looking into it more uh there's a lot more to say and i think i can streamline it down um one of the things i completely skipped over um was the the kind of like black cultural elements to the starseed movement you know, like obviously funkadelic, right? Like mothership <laughs> and like the nation of Islam stuff. So uh, I'm going to have to work that in. And uh, would Sun Ra also be included in that? Yeah, Sun Ra would definitely be included in that. You know, they, the, it's amazing when you hear folks that are in the orchestra talk about their experience with Sun Ra. And when they talk about him, you know, he's from Saturn. Like there's no question about it. There's no hemming and hawing about that his music was from space and it was a gift to humanity to raise it to the next level so i'm i'm definitely going to work sun ra into it um nation of islam elements talk about funkadelic and that and then also um kind of streamline what i presented last uh and deal with some of the the changes in it since i did the the presentation i've been on alan steinfeld's weekly making contact video cast um, and had an opportunity to talk to a lot of people that are uh, sort of within the, the star seed culture. So, yeah, we also on the Patreon, you guys can find that there too. This is just going to be a big um, advertisement for our Patreon. Apparently uh, we also with Chris Corey, uh, we did a, we did the, the Richard Boylan's quiz on whether you were a star seed or not, or a star child. Yes, and I scored very highly. 
Yes. Right. Yes. I think Chris did as well. Uh, I administered the test. It was really to find out if uh, they were replicants or not, and I still haven't told them whether or not they are. But you see a tortoise laying on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely starseed. So that's, and that one, that, uh, that particular test is a lot more intense than the, the Steiger test. The questions are, are much more, um, dramatic, you know, like, have you levitated something as a child? <laughs> I mean, that, that was like, wow. Well, I, I think my favorite one was, did, have you hurt, have you healed an entire, have you healed a person have you brought them back to life? Um, have you healed an entire ecological area? Yeah, yeah. In other words, have you restored a forest back to its former glory? Right. Then you might be a star child. Yeah. That that whole thing only equaled like five points. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was. I think one of the levitation ones or something was like twenty-five points or so. I was there was a weird there was a weird disconnect in the pointing system, um, the point system on that. Well, yes. the, your presentation will fit very well into Strange Realities 2021 since it is a hybrid event. Ooh. <laughs> Good one. Wow. I like that. So let's kind of get into um, what, I mean, I guess like the main core, what we're going to kind of talk about. We're going to talk about just like I said, a grab bag of topics, but I thought we'd kind of hit this UFO report and... Um, what your thoughts were about that. And then I've got kind of a kind of going along with that. Something I read in your blog today about uh, the blog titled uh, hypnotic media and deja vu UFO brief analysis of public interest and flying saucers from 2004 to 2021. Yeah. So these two things kind of go together. I mean, I think you wrote this uh, back in May, but uh, now this report is out. And of course, you know, UFOs are back in the media. And, um, here we go again, you know, like we've, we've kind of talked about this, uh, with Tim Banal and Aaron Gullius and, you know, just not too much of beating a dead horse, but, uh, what's your thoughts on this? Did anything stand out to you? Is there anything that's particularly interest you or is there would just, we're just more of the same? Yeah. I mean, so I wrote that, that blog post and, um, then realized, you know, as the report was coming out, I was like, Oh man, I'm going to have to write like a, a rebuttal to myself, you know, because I thought that with the amount of media it was seeing, you know, the whole point of that blog post was that if you go to Google trends and you put UFO as your term and you look at the, the public interest, um, since 2004 till now, on the topic of UFOs, we're not at the highest point that it's been at. Hmm. And at the time that I wrote it, it was, it was even less so. Um, so back in May, it was even less so, despite the fact that there's the New York Times piece in 2017, you know, despite all of the kind of markers along the way, which I think people, you know, closer to the paranormal culture and interested in UFOs, like, have just been bludgeoned with, but in terms of the general, general population, um, the Google trend map for it, you know, um, which obviously has its flaws as a, as a data analytics thing, but it does give a a general sense, but the, uh, the actual interest is not at the highest point. The highest point was in 2007 
um, there was a couple kind of like semi UFO waves that were happening, including the Stephenville, Texas um, event. And the interesting thing that I saw was in it, what kind of surprised me uh, as I was thinking about it was that the difference between now and 2007, that particular one, there were other spikes as well um, related to different um, media events where UFOs had come up. Um, but the difference between Stevensville, Stephenville was the, the highest and it had Angelia Joyner, who was a local reporter writing, uh, you know, from Stephenville about the UFO wave that was occurring. And it went from her local reporting to the national media. And it had a very, it was very organic yeah. in the way that, it, that it came out in the media. Now, the difference is is that in 2017, we have this New York Times piece, but the New York Times piece is so artificial. Yeah, totally top-down. Yeah, it's top-down from the media environment, and there's no wave, right? Like, there's there may be, you know, the military may be seeing these incursions of whatever they are, you know, in their, their training spaces and stuff, but regular people are not encountering a UFO wave. And if you look at the past... You know, when UFOs become incredibly popular, it's because regular people, you know, police officers, delivery drivers, you know, grandma and grandpa are like walking out their door and seeing waves of UFOs, you know, and there's the 1973, um, that amazing uh pamphlet that was put out by Hynek's organization, uh, KUFOS, which is called 1973 Year of the Humanoid. Right. You know, there were actually, there was like a humanoid invasion uh, in terms of the encounters that people were having. Different types of humanoids too. Yeah. Different, yeah. Yeah. Multiple different types of humanoids, you know, different, different settings. There were actually humanoid encounters uh, by UGA um, that were written up. That one seems it was written close to Halloween and there's a, the witness has a kind of I think their name is Mars Walker. So, um, that one's a little bit questionable, but you know, I mean, it was, it was in the media and it was, it was very, uh, prevalent, this idea that, you know, this wave was happening and we haven't seen that. What we had in 2017 was, you know, like you guys said, a top down piece from Leslie Keene, who's been writing about UFOs for forever. You know, she was, uh, with Bud Hopkins when he passed away. Um, you know, it's a very, artificial kind of uh media push and it's interesting to see that if you go to google trends that plays out in the interest that we're seeing in this stuff so no matter how many media people i thought surely come the day of the release right we're going to see a spike no there i mean the numbers are raising more than they were but there it's still not a spike like stephenville was it's not even a spike like there was a I don't know the exact date, but it may, maybe in 2010, there was a, a UFO over a Chinese uh, airport that shut down the airport. And even that spike is higher than what we're seeing right now. And that's, you know, I mean, that's a case in China, right? Yeah. So um, it's really interesting to see that, you know, the, the, the public interest just, it's not catching the public, right? Like no matter how much media is being pushed on this, no matter how many Tucker Carlson and all the rest of it, 
the narrative just kind of rings hollow. And, you know, one of the things I'm really interested in with this report is that it comes right on the back of a major R&D push for funding um, in the <laughs> National Sciences Foundation. And everything that they outline in the press release that came after the report was a multidisciplinary R&D program, you know, to analyze whatever these uh, things that they're seeing are, you know, and things that are getting picked up. And then, you know, to do, to do this multidisciplinary analysis and uh, there's an R&D component mentioned, right? So research and development and, you know, to I don't, you know, I can't, I can't put my finger on why, why you would, you would use that as an advertisement for, you know, your, a new push in science or whatever, you know, it's been the case in the past. There's a great, um, in Ray Palmer's flying saucer magazine, there's a great, uh, feature piece that was do UFOs spur youth science, right? So, you know, the UFO played a large part in kind of popularizing the space program and the idea of the space program, um, which seems weird, you know, but it, it, it did get people thinking about space and, and kind of in that headspace, you know, but what the, what the benefit to the current sort of situation is, it all just seems very strange. It just seemed like it created a, just a side note for most people who weren't already interested in it. Like, I don't know anyone who wasn't interested in the phenomena who then like became interested. They would just use those big press moments as an opportunity to like, try to talk to me and be like, Oh, well, Hey, you're, you're into UFOs. What do you think about this? You know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, my coworkers and stuff, they don't, um, no one's, you know, no one's very excited. It's no, you know, and it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting to see this amount of focus put on it in the media and no one to be very excited, you know, but I think it does serve as that, you know, that like, um, saucers did for the space program, like you mentioned interest in this and even studying it and having like multidisciplinary people looking at it, scientists looking at this, it's a, uh, you know, for brainstorming, uh, it, it may be very fruitful way of, uh, coming up with new possibilities for technologies. If that's really the goal. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the interesting things is that, you know, if they, if a, a program does seriously roll out from this, um, it has an opportunity to have that effect. You know I mean? That's kind of what the UFO does. And like early technologies, like um, around radio or even electricity and things like that, you know, people propose that um, a lot of people who developed those technologies were inspired by like occult ideas pretty much. Yeah, well, in contact, too. I mean, there's a lot of instances, um, you know, Xerox had uh, was invented by a guy who said that brownies, little elves showed up and, and kind of gave him the idea for the Xerox machine. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a whole history of sort of leading thinkers having visionary experiences with this stuff, you know, and I think that as a, as a visionary symbol, for it to be pushed out into culture, it'll be real interesting to see how that, you know, affects things. Or even if it does cause a wave, you know, I mean, with all these people focusing their mind on this, you know, 
um, if that will actually intensify some sort of contact experience. You know, it's really emboldened um, folks like Mark Sims, who uh, is doing a different form of uh, the Greer CE5 contact modality. And, um, you know, it's kind of really empowered that community to further their message, to get more organized, to sort of push for these group meditations to bring in phenomena, you know, um, which if that gets spurred and that starts to happen, then you would see more of a public interest because more people are going to be exposed to the actual phenomena, you know. So it may be sort of a, a tiered process where, although the, the majority of the public really isn't as engaged with the media uh, blast on the UFO thing, it may be that the communities that are um, become empowered by that in some way, you know. But, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because um, the report only goes back to 2004. It doesn't really deal with anything that are like the classic UFO experiences. Even people like Matthew Roberts, who um, was a cryptographer on one of the ships um, that the, the videos have come from, um, he had a really intense kind of contact experience after the fact, um, after having just seen the radar returns. And, um, but his experience was driven by reading William Walker Atkinson in the Kabbalion, <laughs> you know, and so obviously he's not going to be featured in, uh, you know, this very like kind of tech heavy uh, focus that comes out of the report, you know or even Kevin Day, you know, Kevin Day reported uh, some kind of intense, you know, more sort of phenomenological experiences around this stuff. And, and that's gotten sidelined, you know, it's become very much a, a military versus a technology sort of narrative. Yeah. Taking that kind of like mystical kind of um, material out of the, out of the narrative. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I don't know if it would it would serve the goals for the people who are pushing it, you know, so, but, you know, obviously that's a major part of it. I mean, that's even in uh, Jacques Vallée and Eric Davis have uh, a model of the UFO phenomena, which kind of highlights the high weirdness aspect as one of the key aspects of the phenomena. So to take that out, um you know, it's kind of strange. It's like, what are we, what are we now looking at? You know? Right. What I'm real curious about, cause I know just for myself that I haven't really, I haven't really cared too much about this. And I think that a lot of that is because, you know, I'm more still worried about what's going on with, in the, in the wider world with the pandemic and all these other things that are happening. So it's kind of just, to me, it's just more background noise. And I think a lot of people probably feel the same way that I do about this. It's just like, oh, it's just one more thing and and just and just whatever. And that that is a possibility of the why it just isn't the interest just isn't as sparking as much as it should be. Or it has before. Well, and I think that that's the difference, you know, if we actually had a wave, right? And actually had people seeing the mm-hmm. phenomenon happening you know right well we're also old though i mean you know what is this going to do for the the young generation i mean yeah 
this could really help shape you know if like this is normalized the the kind of disturbing thing about it though is that in five years 70 years of history has been erased true you know i mean because nobody's looking at like the old case studies right right that stuff's all been completely sidelined and erased and no one's talking about it you know like you don't have lou elizondo going out being like you should get yourself you know flying saucer review and you know read the old case encounters like none of that's being talked about and so the ufo that people are being exposed to in the media you know it's not the ufo that we've known for you know 70 years and that's obviously gone through its different stages you know i mean you have the contactee movement which when you know stanton friedman and that came along that was sidelined, right? Like nobody wanted to talk about the contactees, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? So there's the whole like sort of like Keelian UFO period, which is, you know, so, I mean, so there's this kind of erasure of different aspects of the phenomena has, has occurred. Well, I haven't been able to finish that, uh, that Hanson lecture about UFOs, but you know, obviously, I mean, does he say anything about that? Like about the, how the trickster obscures itself? Like, is that maybe what's going on? Uh, yeah, he goes, I mean, he goes into the, the paranormal aspects and the UFO it's his, that particular talk is very much a bibliography. Okay. So he kind of avoids any theorizing, uh, throughout it. But it would make sense, like, with that lens that, you know, oh, now is the time where, you know, everything's going to be revealed. And what's actually going on is everything is being even further pushed back even further. And the, the, all the different, more interesting aspects of this are being obscured even more. Yeah. You know, and I think that it, it's weird, though, because I think that we're in a, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to start to actually, like, look at those kind of theories, right? Because, what exactly are we dealing with right now? You know, cause we're dealing, and that was kind of where the, the idea of, of deja vu FO, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, what is it that we're seeing, you know, cause it's top down, it's radar returns and gun sites, you know, it's not the UFO that we used to know, but then the UFO that we used to know is also a mediated object. So what is that? What's the honest thing? You know, like, what are we talking about? Like, what is that actual, you know, what, what's at the heart of all of this mediation? You know, you know what I mean? And so is the obscuring happening because of the phenomena or is the obscuring happening because of the way the media works? It's the Black Lodge. Yeah, yeah, right. Or, you know, some, uh, you know some sort of uh, nefarious manipulation of the infosphere, you know? Well, I think the media just kind of moves. I don't know. They seem to just move on really quickly from something like this. They're, they're, they're just not as, I don't know. They just don't seem, they just don't seem as interested. Like, okay, here it is, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to sell as well as other stories. Well, and that was, that was what was interesting to me about the 2007 situation with Angelia Joyner, right? Because she was actually invested in doing investigative reporting and, you know, going and talking to people and being, you know, embedded in the situation. Whereas if you look at the media since 2017, how many stories have that Tic Tac image? Right. I mean, it's like, right. every, that's all we see is that Tic Tac image. 
And they, I mean, they don't even use stock photos or hire an illustrator or, you know, something else. Right. Or if they do, they like put up an Adamski saucer or, you know, it's something that, you know, has its own sort of problematic history. And so, you know, and the, the same thing with the writing is no one's actually, you know, I mean, most of these news stories are not, they're not written. They're just rehashed talking points. It's like the same thing again and again. It's an edited version of the New York Times piece. Or you'll have an editorial where, you know, the person will be saying another sort of canned take on it. You know, I mean, one of the things that's been popping up recently after the report, and I think it even started when some of the contents of the report was leaked before it came out, um, is the idea that, you know, like the U-2 spy plane and stuff were um, responsible for all of these UFO sightings, right? That like they, they were able to name these different covert projects that, you know, could be tied to people seeing UFOs. And Kurt Collins has done an analysis of that and shown that that's not true at all. Like that, that was shop talk. Like that was a selling point for selling the, the projects that they would be like, oh, we're so good that people think we're a UFO. Like mm. that, was, that was like, you know, engineers talking amongst each other and patting each other on the back. And it became a media point, but it doesn't bear out to reality. When you look at the actual contact cases and encounters and witness statements, they weren't seeing these things. They weren't describing that, you know? So we're getting that narrative again, where they're, they're talking about, you know, like, Oh, well, these unknowns that are in the report, there were unknowns in the past and it was just, you know, projects that were in the black and people were mistaking them. But the thing is that that's not a fact. Like that's a, that's a cultural myth, mm-hmm. you know, or a cultural, that's a, a legend, whatever the, the proper term for that would be, you know? Um, but it's not true. You know, but then you'll see this in the op-eds and that where people will repeat this thing and act like, oh, well, we just explained it. Like, no, you you just cut and pasted from, you know, this trope. It's a cliche. It's not, it's not actual uh, looking at the situation, you know. And so much of the media now, I mean, the, the weird thing, and you see it with some of the people that are getting featured on CNN and that, you know, the media cycle today goes like Twitter to a blog post to immediately getting sucked up into uh, the news. And it's really easy if you know what you're doing in terms of positioning things to suddenly become an expert when, you know, you ran a Twitter feed, right? Like, and that's not actual necessarily analysis. You know, that's just you, you tweeted a lot. You know, or advice, like Vice will hire anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you get an article in Vice, that doesn't mean that you're an investigative journalist. Like, that doesn't mean you're a journalist. It means that you blogged enough and sure. Vice had an opening and you submitted to Vice and they picked it up, but there's no expertise there. There's no, like, there's no bar, right? Like, I mean, it's so. And then from Vice, you can go to CNN you can suddenly be uh, speaking on CNN, but there's no, there's no pushback. There's no editor. (laughs) There's no, there's no expertise hovering over that saying like, well, that that person may not exactly know what they're talking about. 
you know. Yeah, you're not re- you're not really an expert, right? Yeah, I would hate to see some of these guys from UFO Twitter <laughs> end up being on like CNN or whatever. Well, then know? what's really sad too is this stuff gets rehashed then into like the little um, cottage industry podcast and UFO fandom world, mm-hmm. like from that stuff from the top down. So they're just like completing the circle yeah yeah it's a, you know and that's you know i mean the the twitter thing's great like it's awesome that we can all talk and have these conversations i think the the illusion of expertise though is dangerous because you know this isn't about just repeating talking points or at least it shouldn't be i mean we're you know the ufo thing is so fascinating and it goes so deep you know people who've had experiences have life-changing experiences and if we're gonna look at it you know if the if suddenly the culture is opening up to that to actually like taking a look at it like we should really look at it and not just be repeating you know blindly you know these kind of like bullet point statements that are handed you know handed out at the beginning of class like okay here's what we're going to repeat here's your test like can you repeat everything that was said like that's not how real research works you know and i think that it's you know it it does a disservice to to the whole thing you know i mean because okay let's say they're pumping 10 you know and they are it's the the r&d push is in the billions of dollars right that's a significant amount of tax money that's being put into this research no doubt which, which is an opportunity like if you want to go from twitter to making a difference you know there's billions of dollars now floating out there if you honestly have the skills and the understanding and everything to to work on that you know um but i don't think that that is necessarily what we're seeing happen you know i think that we're seeing this very shallow sort of artificial gloss over the whole thing well when you're talking about what this stuff really is and you're talking about personal transformation um you're talking about uh maybe the transformation of humanity um it's hard not to get kind of like conspiratorial and think that maybe this is kind of a a sinister attempt at controlling that unraveling that this phenomenon is actually producing well it's it's weird though because i mean again without the without an organic wave what what why now like why are we controlling it now like there hasn't been a wave right and everything that we're seeing is is guided from people that we're already writing about well there's a lot of angles that it seems it could be anticipatory for like maybe for technology or maybe for something else um that this is kind of like happening now because what's going to happen or things people are going to be seeing more of because of maybe just certain technologies or, or, you know, other countries technologies that are going to be, uh, that are brand new and people are going to be seeing this stuff more. So it's kind of a way to, to prime people. And so they're not too shocked maybe, or I don't know. Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could be. Hopefully it's for a giant invasion of UFOs. Yeah, that would be that would be preferable, yes. of course. Than just some Chinese drones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd much rather have uh, you know 
the the UFO apocalypse then. Come and dismantle the warheads and activate the star seeds. Yeah, I mean that was an interesting point that Whitley Strieber actually made in one of his um kind of op-ed pieces he did for Unknown Country, uh, which was that if you look at the UFO phenomena, and I know I know some people would argue with this, with the idea that, you know, abductions are bad and 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 that kind of thing, but um it never really acts against people, right? Like it always sort of helps people, you know? I mean, you think of like Chris Bledsoe, right? Like he was healed from Crohn's Um, or, you know, Whitley's gone through like a a spiritual transformation through his interaction with the presence of the phenomena, you know? So it it doesn't act against anything. You know, if it shuts down a nuke, like that's not a bad, (laughs) that's not a bad thing. Right. You know, because it was doing it like it was doing it on all sides. It wasn't just, you know, shutting down U.S. nukes and then helping the Soviets or something. You know, it was shutting down everybody's. And so is that is that bad? You know, I mean, that it, it seems like. I don't know, there's a there's a, a friendliness to it, you know, or a, a spiritual growth quality to it that sort of gets lost when the only photos you have of what's allegedly the phenomena is uh, gun sight footage, you know? Well, right. and that the existing world power structure, I mean. The revolutionary nature of the UFO, you know, which is, you know, and that, but that's, the, and it, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a deep question. That's, so we're right back at, you know, almost right back at theosophy. I mean, if there are these helpers, um, other beings from somewhere else who are the helpers, then there may be another side. <laughs> it's It gets pretty speculative mm-hmm. and weird. Yeah, and that was something that was interesting looking at the, the origins of the starseed thing was the depth of, you know, everybody blames Scientology, but really the, there's so much theosophy oh, in, yeah. in that stream, you know. Um, and that, that gets very complicated and strange in the history of it. But again, that, I mean, that the, the complication of it, I think, is why it would be exciting to have a true multidisciplinary look at this stuff, you know, but, but with a, a level of expertise and not just, you know, sort of common sense on the street off the cuff exposition on it you know well i guess we'll see um how how that research whatever it is going to be goes yeah i'm really hoping for another year of the humanoid well, we gotta have some we gotta have some humanoids just walking all do over you, the place uh, do you know any grant writers by by chance <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know. I now, now would be the time. You know, that's a good question. Is something like the year of the humanoid? I mean, like, are we gonna have something like that again, or just, or, or have we just lost our imagination so much that like our brains aren't coming up with that anymore? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, that, that's the that's the question with all this stuff, though. Is like, what right. the hell happened in 1973 that you had year yeah. of the humanoid? What's the what's the mechanism, right? I, and it was interesting too because there was a um, a skeptical writer. Uh, I don't know what I don't know their name, but they they had actually reposted in response to the the UAP stuff. They had reposted mm-hmm. 
a piece from a science magazine in 1971 that was saying, oh, well, people say that this UFO stuff happens on a five-year pattern, but because of skepticism in that, you know, uh, we probably won't see it again. And so they were, they were kind of proclaiming the death of the UFO in 1971. <laughs> and then, you know, 1973 hits and you have year of the, <laughs> you have year of the humanoid and these massive UFO waves, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Um, I haven't really looked into like what those five-year patterns are, you know, if we're, if we're set for another one or if, you know, and if you sounds like at, solar cycles. Yeah. I mean, and there's research into that too. Is it affected by the solar cycle? You know, I mean, there's the, um, the debrief recently did like a three-part series on, um, unidentified devices or something. I think it was called, I don't know. I don't know what the title of the, the series was, but it was weird because they were including videos in it. And some of the videos were clearly the earthlight phenomena, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's the complication of that too, where, um, even in places that have these kind of like earthlight phenomena, like Hazelden or, um, Yakima Valley up in Washington tied to that. There's often Bigfoot sightings or, you know, actual UFO craft sightings and, and encounters that go beyond just sort of the, the earthlight thing. So what exactly is happening or Skinwalker Ranch, I guess would be another example of that kind of thing where you have this like multi-layered, uh, accounts of experiences that go beyond just you know lights moving in the sky that seem like some sort of natural plasma phenomena you know but it was weird that the the debrief had the thing called you know like unidentified devices or something but then they were they were showing like plasma phenomena and it was like that that's not the same thing you know whatever they were describing with the tic tac was described as a solid object and these plasma things are not, that's not the same thing, you know? We've got the sounds of the Georgia forests in the background. Yeah. Those are the, we didn't have any brood 10 cicadas or anything. We just had our normal, uh, yeah, us either really, which is good. I guess the, uh, analogous or, or correlative to the brood 10 cicadas has been a massive bird die off. So in the areas where the, the brood 10 came out, um, you have these birds just dropping dead in significant numbers. Why is that? Just the, they eat all the food or what? No, they, uh, they're wondering if the cicadas, since they've been in the ground for 17 years, have absorbed some sort of pesticide. Or oh, dude. the brood 10 ones uh, had a specific parasite that was killing them off. Uh, or not parasite, I'm sorry, fungus. And, um, you know, they're wondering if there's some fungal component or something, if they had some kind of fungus that was affecting the birds. Well, you know, everybody knows birds aren't real. So that's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Another layer of the the thing, you know, I was probably the UFO was killing off the surveillance drones so that they could fly more freely. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get rid of the birds, quote unquote birds. Where do you think it's going? Yeah, David. that's a good. That's a good one. The UFO stuff right now. I, I think we're just going to see a continuous rollout now. I mean, we're in it, right? Like they've got the call out for the multi, 
the multi-platform analysis, research, development, the whole deal. So I think that we're, we're just going to see a continuation of it. You know, nobody's pulled back. Everybody who is pushing for it, you know, the, from a more of a UFO believer side are, are continuing, you know? So I think that it will, uh, I think we're just going to see a further development of it. You know, what would, what's interesting to me is what's going to, you know, again, with this idea of the UFO waves, like what's going to happen in the current situation if we actually have a wave, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's going to happen now when people are so primed for it? Um, That would be interesting to see. Do you think that that might be part of the, of a, if there is some kind of master plan here, you think that might be part of the plan? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think you could fake the wave because one of the things with the, there's the high weirdness aspect of it. Yeah. You know, so even if you had like really drones or holograms or whatever project bloom blue beam esque sort of concept of it, um, it doesn't have the same effect, you know? And I think that's one of the things that plays out with the Google trends analysis is that it just doesn't resonate, you know? I mean, so you, you're always going to have a certain segment that's sort of, keyed into the the mediation of it but there's these underlying organic elements to a mass movement or you know a mass awakening or something uh that if they're not there it's just not there you know it's it's sort of uh you know it's pop punk to uh what the punk movement was (laughs) like the 70s right like it just doesn't have the same the same feel. I you know I'm I'm real surprised that with the pandemic that there was not in such a time of tension. Uh, I'm real surprised that there wasn't more of a UFO flap. Well, you I mean that's the you know and that's one of the interesting things again that would be addressed with a multidisciplinary look is what what is the tension types that lead to uh, or that correlate with past flaps um did the 1918 uh spanish flu did that have ufos over it you know i mean i know that it, that's around it's a couple years after the fatima um but what you know it seems like most of the correlations in the past have been wars mm. you know yeah. like, 1973 wave um fits in with the uh the Yom Kippur war right right you know, which i think and the and the oil crisis yeah yeah, yeah the oil crisis uh-huh. so you know what 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 are the what are the actual traumatic triggers of a wave or correlates to the wave right well people were also outside the least amount they'd probably have ever been and we've also been glued to screens, so that might have something to do with it. That's true too. And I, but also, you know, I think that there's, I mean, it may be, I, I've, I've kind of played with the idea that these phenomena have manifested themselves in different ways. So, you know, if, if, if you have the same mechanism behind UFOs that you have behind Bigfoot sightings or you have behind, ghost sightings or, or what have you, then it may be that like, you know, we're, we just see it in different, in different forms. So, 
maybe the whole UFO thing just isn't as popular anymore because the biggest popular thing right now is Bigfoot. That's the big popular thing. Um, but at 2016, you had all the weird clown sightings. And that's definitely a trickster kind of element. Yeah, and the death element too. Yeah. Yeah, it has you know it's tied to the clown is is tied to to death and 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 that kind of thing. Plague. That's actually that's kind of interesting. I wonder has anybody done a study on that because the clown figure is a plague figure. You know. Oh wow. Uh-oh. Is that a precursor? Right. Well, I mean, we we were going through a lot of tension in 2016. That was a hell of an election year. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you had the pandemic shortly after that, right? Mm-hmm. So the because the clown figure is the the rictus grin of a, a plague corpse. That's what the makeup is. Yeah, that's true. That's a that's a very good point. I wonder if anybody's jumped on that. It's up to you. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it always <laughs> come up with these ideas. Like, man, I really wish somebody would write an awesome book on that. But well, I've seen you've been getting really into the Bigfoot lately, and uh, you said it was because you were kind of getting burned out on UFOs for a little bit. So you, yeah, want to return to our furry friend uh, for I'm some taking, taking solace in Bigfoot's sweet, you know, pungent. Embrace <laughs> skunk, the skunk sweet sapience of uh, of the Sasquatch. You've been listening to Bigfoot themed music. Yeah, I man that uh, like obsessively like a freak. Um, the Bigfoot ballads that Lenny Green wrote are just they're majestic. It's it's amazing to me that um, it's really easy to make kind of parody songs with this stuff. Um, but I really, I try to hunt, you know, and this was the same thing, um, with the sort of Halloween bop and like ghoul rock and stuff. I really wanted stuff that was on some level, legitimately good song craft, mm-hmm. you know, on that theme. And what was amazing for me to discover recently was, um, that Lenny Green and a couple other people had actually written straight Bigfoot ballads that if you took Bigfoot out of it, you know, um, it was still a well-written kind of country ballad song, um, you know, and they just happened to be about Bigfoot. And that was, I mean, that was amazing. And there, it's just, yeah, it's, it's incredible to hear you know, the, the history and mystery of Bigfoot expressed as a sort of, uh, pop country ballad, you know, um, that's amazing. And I got, I actually got into it. Um, when we were at Paramania, Adam, uh, I was driving around with Greg Bishop and he played me this Marlon Wallace song, um, called abominable snow creature. And, uh, it's just a really great indie country song from this outsider musician, Marlon Wallace. Um, and it's like one chord and it's just really intense and strange. And so I was trying to find other stuff like that. And, uh, the Lenny green thing popped up and Lenny green is known as the Johnny cash of Squatch ballads. Um, all right yeah (laughs) he's uh and he has a he has a delivery that is very johnny cash um if you're not do you know where he's from 
He's from California. Okay. Did he ever live in Nashville? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is he alive? I believe so. Oh, okay. What are some notable hits for everybody so they can go and check them out? Did he stay at the Fiddler? Did he stay at the Fiddler's Inn? <laughs> <when he was laughs> in let me uh, let me check here. I can get you some some names of the uh, the Bigfoot pals. He, uh, if, you know, Greg Bishop's WFMU show "Stop Hitting Yourself" has a uh, an entire uh, Bigfoot playlist that he put up the other week um, that was pulled from some of the songs that I had. I had selected, um, including a lot of Lenny Green stuff, because Lenny Green's kind of the guy when it comes to the Squatch ballads. Um, Piney Woods Wild Man, fantastic song. Um, Bigfoot, just Bigfoot. But I mean, of course, there's got to be a song just called Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, and then there's also Bigfoot USA, which is nice. incredible because nice. at one point he starts just naming off the different names of uh, of sasquatch and bigfoot is that sung sung to the tune of surfing usa no no it's country yeah it's all country there's no no real surfer kind of bigfoot stuff um buddy knox was a uh he had a song called ragdoll which was popular i think in the 50s or early 60s and he has uh at the time had been unreleased until someone discovered the demo for it but the bigfoot song by buddy knox is fantastic um and that one's more of like a 50s country kind of thing um don jones bigfoot is one that people may know um because that's kind of the more well-known bigfoot song um the bigfoot scenic byway by lenny uh green fantastic that one's amazing valley of the skookum is really good don't pull that trigger is awesome it's a ballad all about um you know don't kill bigfoot uh, yeah <laughs> And it, it actually, um, Don't be, pull that trigger. Yeah. And I'm going to be playing that one on uh 4th of July because that one talks about how Bigfoot was here at the founding of the nation. That's right. <laughs> so like Bigfoot is, is red, white, and blue, you know, um, even before Morocco. Yeah. Uh, Bigfoot, Bigfoot was here, you know, um, Brooke Smith has a song called Bigfoot, which is awesome. It's kind of like, a um, Dr. John sort of sounding ripoff. Like, like if you mix Dr. John with, um, Wolfman Jack and, uh, maybe a little bit of Captain Beefheart, just like a taste. And then, um, some Tom Waits, Bro Smith, Bigfoot. Uh, that's a good one. Um, where Bigfoot walks is good. I mean, basically if you, if you look up Lenny Green and find his Bigfoot songs, like you won't, you won't go wrong. He's hard to find with the Google uh, search too, because I guess a, a popular host of a syndicated uh, quiet storm radio show is uh, named Lenny green also, but I'm seeing that he, as, as, as a uh, recent as 2014, he is playing some Bigfoot conferences. So hopefully he plays conferences uh, where the skunk ape goes to just, just one more, just to throw out there where the skunk ape goes is incredible. Um, so obviously living in Georgia, uh, in skunk ape territory, um, that one, that one definitely is a, a great, great song to listen to for me, but yeah, I mean, anything Lenny green and he's got three albums, which I don't think are available anymore. And that was the other kind of cool thing was that he doesn't seem to, I mean, he's, he released some like, you know, 
I'm a songwriter and I'm putting out CDs kind of CDs, but he didn't really run with it. You know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't try to capitalize on it. So he's just oh. an honest, uh, musician making beautiful Bigfoot music. I wonder if he listens to conspire normal. I hope so. Strange realities, 2022. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> That's some goals right there. There you go. I asked Adam about that. You know, if did maybe, uh, maybe next year, Fly Lenny in for a <laughs> for step. a ballad, yeah. yeah, ballad or two, you know. <laughs> we pro- <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Probably wanted to touch on some uh, some of the the Christian fringe stuff yeah. that, that okay. Dave has been following and that we've uh, been alerted to as well. Yeah, um, well, I used to I used to be in it, so I can <laughs> been immersed in. I, I could I could talk about it all day. Um, well, I think we were going to talk about a little bit more about the Skywatch TV a little bit, yeah. and kind know. of like post Trump, where a lot of the stuff has been going. Yeah. Because it's get, it's getting weirder and weirder. Yeah, because I mean they pivoted. Uh, they pivoted from once Trump wasn't really the the focal point. Like it went straight to the UFO material mm-hmm. and presenting this this sort of parallel and flipped worldview um, based on the UFO stuff, but through an end times. Um, focus and what's been amazing with skywatch is that um you know within the last few months uh at at least within the last year they've run articles on john keel jacques valet um you know who have always sort of popped up in the literature as sources because both keel and valet have talked about the similarities uh between demonology and the, the contemporary UFO stuff. Um, but Skywatch has really jumped on that and been actually, you know, writing Jacques Vallée and uh, John Keel into the, the sort of end times uh, Christian narrative, which is, that's, it's surreal, you know? Well, I mean, they are just able to comb and basically adopt anything into their, worldview and present it in their own way. I mean, they're really good at doing that. Well, and I think, they, I mean, Adam may be able to, to speak to this, but I mean, I think they have, they have like a legitimate interest in it, you know, sure. that, that gives it uh, a resonance, you know, it's yeah, sort of, I would, I would say so. Yeah. 
It's a, I mean, they're, they're, they're cover art. I know we've talked about this before, but I mean, man, their, their graphic design is, uh, what is, what is Dr. Future call it? The, um, it's the grindhouse of, uh, yeah. of Christ exploitation. Yeah. Christ exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like old, old, no limit records, master P records. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I would love, I would love to take classes with their, with their graphic designer, um, or you know, have like a one of those master classes. Well, they they look like heavy metal album covers. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, and they're they're what I I think I mentioned to Seraphiel one day. Like, they're better at graphic design for these uh, for this market than most of the people putting out UFO books. Right. And bring out paranormal books. Like these guys have it down. Like they, they're doing better artwork for this stuff, you know? I mean, cause yeah, you know, there's, there's something to be said for, for the serious, you know, scientific and mature element of it. But there's also like the, the only person that probably could beat them on cover design is, uh, you know, Tim Beckley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i mean like they're they're right along the same kind of like vibe and that's what people want i mean that's right you know i mean right now like with the ufo thing um what's been awesome to see is tmz pick up as like the source for your ufo news because you know and you see people like uh jason colavito uh kind of mocking that but the UFO has always been a tabloid subject and the national Enquirer had Heineck on their, their blue ribbon panel and had serious scientists on their blue ribbon panel. And it was the national Enquirer, you know? Um, so to see TMZ come into that space and to start presenting the UFO, you know, I mean, that for me uh, is really interesting and, and kind of exciting, but Skywatch, uh, you know, their graphic design, like, is that tabloid intense, you know, um, I'm looking at their website right now and just in awe, they have a, one of their, one of their series, their series that they've been running, um, for a while now is the great deception is coming. And this is the idea that, um, the, the UFO represents, um, you know, the vehicle for Satan, to come in with the Nephilim, you know, to bring back the days of Noah when, you know, the fallen angels mate with, with, uh, humanity and create these, you know, abominations on the earth. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like this for me was the entry point for me into all this kind of weird stuff, because this is kind of how, cause I, you know, when I was in college, high school, college, I was very much the nuts and bolts guy. I believed that aliens are real. And then I got saved and became a Christian. And then I kind of left that behind me. And then I one night, I heard Tom Horn on Coast to Coast. Yeah. And this was about like, I don't know, man, 2004, 2005. And I was just like, wow, this guy really makes sense, you know? And then that kind of shifted over into guys like Elliot Marzulli, which I followed him for a good long time. And that's actually how I met Dr. Future was because I went to a conference at Elliot here in Nashville 
that Ellie Marzulli was speaking at. And that's how I met Mike and how I met Guy Malone and got into, got into it with them. And so I was very much like, and I went to the future Congress that Tom Horn put on. I got to meet Tom Horn, you know, because Mike, Mike was very much in with that crowd too back in the day. And this was about like 2010, 20, I think 2011, I think is when I, when, when I did that, I got to meet Tom Horn in a room with gas masks in it in, in Branson, Missouri. Shit. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, when I went to the future, first future Congress, Tom Horn's wife was actually like taking like, you know, cause you sign up for it, you check in, whatever. And like it randomly generated a number for me, which was like six, six, six. And I was like, whoa. And I thought about it for a second. I thought, man, this would be pretty funny for me to walk around with this. But I was like, ah, I don't know. I might get some weird looks. And uh, so I gave, I, I was like, hey, could you change this? You know? And uh, man, that was like crazy. Cause I got to meet, that's where I met Doc Marquis. And uh, saw G. Edward Griffin speak, and like that was, I mean, <laughs> you talking Fringe. this was a different Adam, okay, back then. <laughs> but I, I will tell you, I mean, like, you know, to your point about Derek Gilbert, uh, and well, I had David, uh, Derek Gilbert, and Josh Peck on this show. Uh, in fact, it was one of the first shows, I think. Maybe it was right before Sir Fiel joined us. But, you know, they are into the UFO mythology. I mean, they're very much into it. And they were very much into talking to, like, they tried to talk to, um, who was the astronaut that was all, the IONS guy? Edgar Mitchell. Yeah, they tried to talk to him and couldn't get, couldn't email him back and forth. And, of course, to them, it seemed like it was all this big conspiracy you know, but I mean, and of course, you know, I was guy Malone. I still consider a pretty good friend of mine, you know, but he, he's not in with that crowd, but, uh, they've kind of, in a way they've kind of rolled, taken all that narrative and they have rolled with it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting too, because they have, I mean, it's a, it's an entire sort of, I mean, it's beyond a worldview. Like, it's a world that they live in, you know? Mm-hmm. And they have... Um, one of the, the things that I've always really been fascinated by is they have... They often find things that other people don't write about, you know? And the conclusions may not be accurate, but if you look at their sort of source material and and follow the trails that they follow a lot of times they find really interesting stuff because they're looking at it from this, you know, different way. And they're trying to find the, you know, they're trying to find the, the antichrist and everything. Um, right. But they oftentimes have like really interesting sourcing, you know? Um, and it's like a whole, it's a whole world, you know, but like, where do you like psychotronic weapon tech, genetically engineered magneto protein remotely controls brain and behavior. Right. I mean, that's amazing. Like there's, you know, 
they're writing about psychotronic weapons, you know, and yeah, right. and that is grindhouse stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean that's and I you know I guess within uh, sort of the targeted individual milieu, you have that kind of thing. But this is amazing to see this. You know, I mean, I can find uh, books published by Defender, which is Skywatch's thing. Um, their publishing arm. I can find those at the the thrift store. You know, I mean, they're they're selling enough that they're popping up in Goodwill. You know. Yeah, you had actually freaked out because you found out that Doctor Future wrote. He he was in a. He actually wrote articles for a couple of books for Defender. Yeah, uh, the what Pandemonium's engine. Yep. I think he has one on the the uh, Nimrod as a super soldier. Uh huh. Uh huh. An incredible piece. Um. Yeah, I mean that's just it's it's amazing. I've I've exchanged emails with Tom Horn um, because I actually discovered them through George Hansen because um, he told me that he had talked to uh, Chris Putnam for Chris Putnam's Supernatural Worldview book. That's a great book, by the way. Yeah, and I was like, "You did, you did what? Like, <laughs> what, you, George? What are you doing?" You know, and he he explained, you know, that they had contacted him because they were interested in the trickster theory and that. Um, and so I started looking at the books, and I, I had sent an email uh, to Tom Horn, you know, to see if I could get a review copy of it because um, I think George told me before it was published. And so Tom was super nice and like sent me like a whole bunch of books. Um, which was was awesome. I have a I have now have like a small collection of Defender Publishing books, um, which I'm very excited to have. You know, and one of the we were kind of talking about it before the show, but you know, one of the things that they they do really well. I mean, every aspect of their media to me, it, you know, just I'm obsessed with. Um, communications and and marketing theory and that and they run such a great you know multi-level marketing scheme and uh one of the things we do really good are like the kind of uh repurposing news stories and other people's blog posts and framing it within their worldview for just mm -hmm. a short link sub and then linking to you know the article and I had written an article uh, prior to the Project Blue Book show coming out and um, talking about paranormal belief in media and how it affects how media shapes belief and that kind of thing. And I was looking at the, the stats on the blog and I saw that I had a link back that was getting a ton of hits from Skywatch TV. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I went over there and sure enough, they had taken uh, that Project Blue Book piece and reframed it, you know, within their thing and then linked back to my blog. And I was so excited. I was horrified and excited at the same time because it was just, you know, I'd seen them do it to others. And now there I was. <laughs> well, you are noted occult expert, David Metcalf. That's right. Yeah. Hey. You could get right on in there, David. I mean, you could start writing for him, and then all you gotta do is get saved. You'll get uh, you'll you'll get on. Uh, you can get on the Skywatch TV with uh, with Derek and Sharon, and I don't have eventually. that energy though. 
And eventually, <laughs> I mean, you could just be you could be on Jim Baker. Would I would I get to uh, hang out with the Dachshund though? That's the question. You might. You never know. Get to hang. You might get to hang out with the Dachshund. That's. I mean that that really is one of the most. Uh, the, the so. make that your only stipulation is like if I'm going to do this, I get to hang out with the wiener dog. Yeah, I need to hang out with the Dachshund. That's got to be. I mean, and the fact that they do their in times kind of like video cast from a room that has a massive painting of their dachshund on an easel behind them it's while amazing. they're talking about, you know, Nephilim. Uh, Is his name serious? <laughs> I'm not sure what the, they've, somewhere they have to have post what the name is. I don't know what his name is. Uh, it's wow. Yeah. I know there's a, uh, um, Sam Kestenbaum is a, a New York times uh, freelance writer that had posted on his Twitter feed some um, pictures of the Jim Baker studios. And I really excitedly sent him a note. I was like, oh man, are you getting to see the show live? But he was there, they were, they'd already, the season was over, so they weren't filming. Um, but he's written some pieces on, um, I forget the guy's name, who did the Harbinger book, Adam? Jonathan Kahn? Yeah, he did a he did a New York Times profile of Jonathan Kahn and the the prophetic movement, um, and so he was at the Jim Baker thing, doing some research for another piece, I think. Yeah, I mean it's 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 so weird to me now looking back on it of just how like I mean, you know, Doctor Future, he had a lot of these people on his show. Like Tom Horn, I mean Derek Gilbert, of course. I mean, and Mike's been on Derek's show many, many times, and even recently, in fact, to talk about the new book. But it's just weird to me now, just how, like, you know, I I, I tease Mike sometimes. I'm just like, man, this could have been you. You know, you could have been on Jim Baker, <laughs> hanging hanging out the Jim Baker show. Yeah, it's a wild and the thing, you know, I mean the the Christian market is, you know, it's a a sizable market. So, you know, they, they talk about how they're kind of on the sidelines of that, but I don't think that any of them are suffering for selling their, their material. Yeah. They're still selling DVDs too. Who, who, who still does that? Yeah. Well, it's like a tape. I mean, it's like the tape ministries. Yeah. Only recently, like, um, there's a, uh, the Lake Hamilton Bible camp, which was a big, uh, hub of exorcism culture in the seventies. Um, they were still selling tapes like cassette tapes up until recently, they may still sell cassette tapes. They started out as a a tape ministry, um, like back in the sixties and they were still, you know, up into like 2000 something like selling cassette tapes. It was amazing. Um, you know, and that's, it's kind of, it's like a parallel world, you know, it's like a different, you you enter a different world with these these folks have have generated their own porthole, you know. Yeah, that's something me and Adam were kind of talking about because they also uh, just got deplatformed from YouTube, right? Yeah. Right. So the the thing is, like, they've created this. They have this like media echo chamber where you can just get the app on your Roku or whatever, Apple TV or whatever. Yeah, I downloaded it to your Roku. Yeah. I made sure to leave that for you. So like you're, 
you know, you're in there, you're in their little ecosystem. And that was making that we were kind of talking about this stuff. You know, of course, it's kind of cliche to talk about uh, deplatforming and internet censorship. And there's a million arguments about it. But if like if people leave and, you know, they they go from their echo chamber on Facebook or YouTube or whatever into like an even tighter echo chamber of something like what Skywatch has. Right. Or like, I mean, I, I was trolling Parler when it started and Parler took all these people who were already in this like right wing echo chamber and then put them in one with like straight up mm-hmm. Nazi shit, you know? So like, yeah, they were, you know, around some pretty extreme shit on Facebook but then it turned into like straight up neo-Nazis that were their friends. So it's like, you know, who knows what that kind of thing does, but yes, Skywatch, you know, they're not, they're not that negative of course, but uh, they definitely have this whole like ecosystem. And they have have enough personalities too um, to be able to have their own ecosystem. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, the, the interesting things about their, you know, sort of, uh, I mean, they have a network of personalities that they can, they can draw on. And because they're an ostensibly Christian group, they can pull in people from, um, you know, who may not be aligned with the, the sort of main core of their messaging, but who fit within, within the wider sort of like parachurch, uh, you know, milieu that they can like draw these people in as speakers for their stuff. So they never run out of content, you know, and they have the, you know, the, the format of the news show allows Mm -hmm. them to, they don't even necessarily have to have a guest. They can still produce content where they just have a talking head, you know, reading the news. Like Derek Gilbert does like a, a daily news roundup where he frames the news for people, you know, and so it's this amazing, I mean, just as a media organization, um, they've, as it's a, it's a masterpiece, you know? Um, and, and with the look too, I mean, with the graphic design and stuff, like they have a specific look, they have like a specific feel to their stuff. And what's amazing is you have these like really lurid covers. Um, but then their set design is, is, you know, it's like the, the plastic flowers and like, uh, you know, going to church on Sunday kind of set design. It's a, it's uh-huh. a juxtaposition. Right. And they've got, they've always got these like bundle deals on their site. Yeah. yeah. So like right now they've got some book called dark covenant. Right. And then, uh, a DVD knows, with it. Oh, occultianity. Yeah, is the DVD that's with it. Well, that's a seventy-five dollar value. However, but only a thirty-five dollar donation. Right, right, right. Because they're a church organization, so they're a five hundred one c three. God, do they have a distribution program? Uh We've got a warehouse. Well, I'm wondering if you can be like a licensed Skywatch distributor, and then like set up people underneath you, like make a a pyramid scheme out of it. An affiliate. Yes. Kind yes. Of you know, I I would think so. I'm gonna pull up in the church parking lot, open up the truck. Hey guys, got that Skywatch? <laughs> got the new Skywatch? Got the Dark Covenant right here, hot off the press, seventy five dollar value. It's awesome because they've got the Children of the Damned, like uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. the screenshot from the Children of the Damned with the kids, the glowing eyes. That's that's amazing. 
Right. Well, and it's, it's interesting too, because again, it's this, you know, they are what they preach against kind of thing because like occultianity, like, well, what on earth is like, well, like, what are they, you know, I mean this, if you look at the website, like, what yeah. it, like this is occultianity. You are participating in this stuff, you know, even if it's vicariously, um, you're still engaging. Well, that was the thing of just like how I, I used to listen to PID radio a lot. That was their peering into darkness, and that was Derek and Sharon's radio. Peering into darkness. That's yeah. an app title, right? And, you know, it was like, it was all that kind of stuff. It was all just like looking at it's some of it. It was like Russ Dizdar, and then, you know, they talk a lot about Jack Parsons and all this kind of, you know, it, sexual rituals. Of, yeah. Yeah. It was all that, it was all that kind of stuff that for me was like, you know, oh, I got to listen to this. Titillating. You know, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Thing. Yeah. What? Yeah, and they get and they're I mean they're you know, they're they're master performers too because they've got that um I think Tom Horn comes out of uh he was Assemblies of God, wasn't he? He was an Assemblies of God preacher. I believe so. He was actually I think on I think he was a producer or something on Seven Hundred Club or he was he helped uh Pat Robertson somehow. Yeah. And something got, like that. They've got that like, you know, they've been trained trained in performance, you know. So they have this it's just it's such a fascinating and it's so parallel to everything, you know. What was what's really interesting to me is like if you follow Grant Cameron, like Grant Cameron will talk about portals and then, you know, wait a day or two and Skywatch will have something on demonic portals. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, they're so parallel to the sort of paracultural uh, narrative, you know, and they run right with it. And, you know, Skinwalker Ranch has its own TV show, like, boom, they're doing stuff on portals and Skinwalker Ranch. They're just they're right on top of it. And it's this parallel stream, you know, but presenting everything through a, a dark, like heavily anti-Catholic, you know, right. Like, according to their current narrative, like the Pope is ready for the alien uh, antichrist, you know, and of course, of course, Putnam was big on that stuff. I mean, I had put, I had Putnam on several times actually in the early days of conspiratorial. And, you know, like he was big on all that kind of, I guess, anti-modern Catholicism. Cause there was a lot of talk about Desjardins Right. And how, what a negative influence he had and all this kind of stuff. And especially when they got to, when Benedict retired and Francis yeah. took over, that was the whole, like, you know, the, the was it the St. Malachi prophecy and all right. that kind of stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. Which the- is all stuff that's also from, that's also in Malachi Martin's work and all that. Which is all stuff we're going to touch on the Patreon segment of this show, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I did want to, uh, switch it to a more little local flavor real quick here on the same topic. Uh, you, you local all, flavor, you all might've heard of this local preacher who's gained some national notoriety, um, lately named, uh, pastor Greg Locke. What, what is the name of his church, Adam? Global vision. Okay. Yeah. So. 
I think and I got I a, have passed by it many, many times. I think I have a I friend exactly who has a, a rap record label named the same thing. That's pretty funny. But, <laughs> um, so let's see here. I want to play a little clip because uh, he was kind of going off the deep end already. Uh, big, you know, Trump supporter, and he uh, is got a lot of national attention for having um, a well-known uh, political operative um, featured at his church. And uh, but now he is just, and I think you, I think he was there, wasn't he, on January sixth at the Capitol? That's what, yeah, that's what said that he was around in the area, yeah. And the person he had speaking in late December was Roger Stone. He had Roger Stone speaking mm-hmm. in his church. And uh, so he has fully gone off the deep end now, though, to like full-on queue, uh, underground military bases, child trafficking, craziness. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to play a little clip from this. Let me wind it up here. Because we can talk about it all day long, but I don't think... Uh, Anyone's really going to get the effect unless they hear this nutcase. God's about to bring the whole house down, ladies and gentlemen. These bunch of sex trafficking mongrels are about to be exposed. These bunch of pedophiles in Hollywood are going to be exposed for who they are. I don't care what you think about fraudulent Sleepy Joe. He's a sex trafficking, demon-possessed mongrel. He's of the left. He ain't no better than the Pope and Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks and the rest of that wicked crowd. God is going to bring the whole house down. I said he's going to bring the whole house down. He's going to burn the whole thing to the ground. He's going to expose all these bunch of pedophiles. I'm telling you, he's going to expose Kamala Harris for the Jezebel demon that she is. I don't know why pastors don't talk about this stuff. Well, I do. They don't want to seem crazy. I'm already crazy. People like, do you really think it's that much of an epidemic? Do you honestly believe, how we're going to get somewhere crazy. Do you honestly believe, Pastor Lot, that the military uncovered tunnels beneath the Capitol building and beneath the White House and in the five-fingered lakes? Do you really believe that they found kids? Yeah, both live ones and dead ones. And if you disagree with that, and if you try to discount that, and if you try to cover that, and if you try to keep that on the DL, you're just as complicit as Hunter Biden and the rest of them bunch of crack-smoking perverts. Okay. Yeah. And since we played that and we're going to talk about it, well, Conspiracy Normal will probably end up in the next uh, sermon. At least that's what <laughs> I'm hoping. Yeah. There it is. So, I mean, we're dealing with now full on mainstreaming of all the weird ass conspiracy culture from the 80s and 90s. Like, and now this is going to be a path um, for. Uh, you know, preachers and different congregations to try to become relevant. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's the thing it's in, it's in a church. <laughs> like, well, he was in a tent in one of those, but um, yeah, it's the tent that's on the property that they use. Uh, I think they started doing that during, see, so he was when, when COVID hit and they wanted to restrict the church attendance and everything, he refused to, so he actually was one of the first to do like that kind of like drive-in churches around here. He was kind of forced to do that. 
And he has just like been, he's kind of all over the place. Uh, very much has been in the last few years kind of a local phenomenon. But then in the last few months, especially in the last six months, he has just blown up all across the country. Uh, CNN has probably given him like really undue attention. I mean, I thought it was funny whenever he uh, got in, he almost, uh, he was, he was in, you know, he's one of those guys that likes to sit in the back of his car, in, in his car and yell into his phone and put it on the YouTube. Isn't that what they call a podcast? This is what they call a podcast. And he, um, he was talking about how he walked in the Dunkin' Donuts and they wanted him to wear a mask. And he was talking about how he wanted to like punch the guy in the face and all this kind of real stuff. Jesus stuff, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Real. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Right. <laughs> so, but he has just become more and more on the fringe lately. And we can't help but think that there's that, that Sir Fiel had a, you had a good point about the Roger Stone stuff that, He's possibly getting advice from him to be even just uh, be as outrageous as you possibly can be. Yeah, it's taking a cue from the Trump Trump book. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the fact that that's you know where we are now in some of the the fringe areas of religion, it's just it's really sad. Um, but that's I mean, talking about irresponsible. I mean, he is like promoting some really dangerous ideas because how if you believe that, then how what are you supposed to do? I mean, it's going to, it's going to cause people beliefs like that cause people to act. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially when they're presented with that amount of fervor, you know, and his framing of it too, you know, and people will think I'm crazy. I am crazy. Like, and here's some more crazy ideas that are all true. You know, I mean, he's, and that's the, you know, that was one of the things like when I was, years ago looking into Billy Graham, he's very explicit in some of his writing, um, not necessarily like the books published under his name, but in, you know, kind of his like correspondence and stuff. Like there's points where he talks about being very aware of crowd control techniques and, uh, you know, rhetoric and the proper way to deliver something and what to watch for in the crowd to see if they're affected by it. Um, and that, you know, amped up like this, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're using, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the term mind control, but it kind of is, you know, I mean, they're, they're using techniques that they know very well what the effects are going to be, you know? Yeah, right. It's and you, kinda... you, get, you get somebody unstable in that and they're, you know, I mean, that's where you get people shooting people. Yeah. Well, this stuff is, I mean, it's, it's, well, first of all, it's worrisome. But, you know, to, to Serfiel's point that this is the kind of stuff that we were hearing well, it's it's coming directly from QAnon, but QAnon is just this mishmash of conspiracy theory and conspiracy culture that goes back a long way away. And so it's like it's stuff that you know you might hear on some fringe website, or you might have heard heard in some fringe book, or or some somewhere. But now you know, Grandma 
is listening to this stuff and like, well, did you hear what Pastor Greg said? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's and Grandma it's, wouldn't even believe that George W. Bush was a was a bad man. You know, right? When you try to tell her about nine eleven, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> Back then, but right. but now Grandma's telling you about dumbs and um, satanic ritual abuse and 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 he knows that he's going to get. Um, all kinds of attention for it because CNN has been really covering this guy uh, lately. Uh, there was well, and that, that comes again from that the the media cycle that we were talking about earlier because yep. of right right wing watch. Mm-hmm. So right wing watch um, publishes these excerpts. I mean that that you played that off right wing watch. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which by the way, right wing watch got their a YouTube channel uh, taken down. <laughs> YouTube is just baby ewing everything. Just, just like it's just stomping on whatever it it can stomp on right now. The algorithm, you know, the algorithm is is a, is a blind sword that just cuts, you know. Right. Um, but I mean, since they focus on that stuff, that's where CNN then picks it up. So it's this it's this cycle of from blog to to mainstream media. You know, the same thing. Yeah. Same thing going on, which I mean, it's good that people know that this exists, but then it gets complicated because once it hits CNN, then he gets the focus and then people, you know, it's that that nasty cycle of weaponized information. Mm -hmm. Well, David, I'm curious. I mean, I'm curious where you think that all this is going and how these fringe ideas are going to just keep becoming more and more mainstream and especially the influence that it's having on evangelical Christianity right now. I mean, global visions church from what I understand, I, you know, I I would drive past it a lot because it was on my delivery route and you know, it just seemed like it was just a simple little church. It didn't seem like it was anything that was a big deal. You know, it just seemed like any other kind of church plant that that you see anywhere. And now all of a sudden here it is and it's just and and it's like with COVID especially I mean, the pastor has been radicalized and the church has been radicalized. So how much more of this kind of stuff do you think we're going to see? I mean, I, it's it's been around for a long time and unfortunately the things that make stuff like skywatch such an incredible example of a media organization it's because they're using media techniques that are very effective so you know i mean this is it's only gonna it's only gonna get worse and you know unfortunately the thing about apocalyptic narratives is that in in some ways they're self-fulfilling and you know i mean these in the same way that folks like skywatch can grab things that are appearing in the sort of paranormal popular culture and then reformat them to fit their worldview um you know, I mean, as the wealth gap increases, as, you know, environmental issues increase, 
And as social stability decreases, you know, this stuff becomes more prevalent. And in becoming more prevalent, continues to push the very things that it's saying are signs of the end of the world, you know? So it's, I mean, it's, it's incredibly dangerous, you know, and in the, the you know, the anti-communist uh, propaganda that was tied to Billy Graham and that, anything that happens in the world that is you know, in some ways can be reframed to prove their point. That's, that's kind of the mechanism that they use. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's a lot of projects to kind of try to stop um, the spread of disinformation and misinformation. And you may be able to mitigate some of the, you know, sort of like street level spread of it, but um, it's gone so far and with the way that the internet is and, you know, Seraphia, like you were talking about with echo chambers and that, I mean, unfortunately this stuff looks like it just is going to keep spreading until, you know, violence occurs possibly, yeah. possibly over multiple, you know, <laughs> multiple events, you know, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't end. And the other thing with these, like this just really hyper, hyper rhetoric. I mean, you have people like, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I mean, there's QAnon Congress people now. Green, Marjorie Taylor Green. Taylor Green. Yeah. Marjorie Taylor Green and that, you know, so you have this in Congress and before, before it was like fully in Congress because there obviously were, were fellow travelers, um, in yeah. Congress before it was fully in Congress, it was steeped throughout the military culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Skywatch is really popular and, and has, um, you know, people who write for them and talk that are at the like Pentagon advisory level, you know, um, I always find yeah, I it. Think Colonel, Colonel McGinnis, I think is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I forget the other guy's name. There's another guy who's written about like warrior, warrior Christianity and stuff like that. He's more, he's more tied to uh Boykin, general Boykin. Boykin yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was the, the leader of the Delta force. Right. You know, I mean, so, um, you know, this stuff is deeply steeped in American culture and, you know, they have ties. You kind of touched on it earlier with traditionalist Catholic movements um, you know, I mean, the, the parachurch organizations have influence in, you know, around the world, wherever missionaries are sent. Um, so it's, you know, it's deeply embedded and now we're just sort of seeing it bubble up more, but it, you know, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it going anywhere good and I don't see any way to, for it to stop. Yeah. It's a process of radicalization that is very similar to what they say the Islamic terrorists, Al Qaeda, ISIS that they, that they went through. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the, the idea of these groups being the American Taliban, mm -hmm. right. You know, and, and the other thing too, is that, um, a lot of them, either parallel or active or are actively involved in the dominionist movement, which is actively seeking to subvert democracy 
and implant their worldview and people, you know, influencers with their worldview within the political social fabric, you know, and media fabric and the rest of it. So, you know, I mean, you have this guy ranting like this, well, you know, people who watch Tucker Carlson are getting a similar message, just not quite as radical, but they can easily, you know, Tucker's just, you know, undergirding this stuff, which is for like the more like radical people. And it all has to do with people's pain, you know, and their, their inability to kind of feel like they have a place in culture. And one of the, you know, unfortunately with as much connectivity as digital communications offer us, it also has created this sort of isolation and shallowing of everything. And there's not the community anymore. So people don't really feel like they have a place. And I mean, you think about every major city, you know, you, if you listen to the news, it's always, you know, the homeless problem and stuff like that. It's like, well, this isn't, this isn't the homeless problem. Like these are people that are completely dispossessed, you know, and the numbers are significant. It's, you know, I mean, Austin has tent cities. If you go to LA, like there's streets, there's blocks that are taken up with like tent cities of people who have no place to go and no place in culture, you know? And then it's only one, it's only a little step up for people who maybe have a house or something, but their jobs are, are meaningless, you know? And they're, they're just stuck in a cycle of like eat, sleep, you know, and watch media that, that seems to give them some sort of like feeling of meaning. And, you know, the, the culture has just been stripped and, and it, you know, that media cycle again, from like tweet to blog post to major media, you know, only deepens that because that's not how culture is generated. You know, I mean, that's how information is spread, but that's not information isn't culture. So there's no depth there. There's no, you know, nothing for people to grasp meaning on. And when you've got this guy, you know, up there giving these people a mission, right? Like they, the mission to save the world, they go from being, um, you know, people who have no, no place in, in the future to suddenly they're, you know, they're part of God's army that's fighting the darkness. Right. right. So, that, you know, right. and that's, and that's, and I mean, meaning. yeah. Yeah. And that, and it's, you know, that, that idea of being part of God's army is part of the rhetoric. I mean, there's the warrior bride of Christ was a huge, uh, sort of, uh, framework for this stuff. Um, that was really popular uh, in the early 2000s were, you know, images of a bride, you know, a woman in a bridal gown with combat boots on and a sword. And that was the, you know, the church triumphant, like coming at the end, the end of days, you know? So this idea of being a warrior for Christ is part of the memetics of the whole movement, you know? And that's, you know, QAnon, right? Like it ran on this idea that like Trump was the savior figure that was going to come in and he was like the true king kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And that, and that paralleled stuff in, in uh, the parachurch organizations talking about Trump as the new Cirrus and the new king and the, you know, prophesied as being, you know, sort of the savior of the church and stuff. I mean, this rhetoric is, it's intense. It's medieval, you know? I mean, it's, and in a time period where our culture is just collapsing, you know, where there is no, there is no solid identity for anybody to stand behind, 
you know, and then you, that's one of the things that's interesting too about the UFO stuff coming out is because we've got no culture to really reflect on the UFO. You know, there's no solid point where anyone can stand and look at the UFO. It just sort of comes in in this decentralized, weird narrative, um, you know, in all these different ways. And there's nothing to compare it to, really. There's nothing to say that it's different than or weirder than because you've got people thinking that um, all sorts of things, you know. I mean, the reptilian thing, right? Like, if, if your politicians are reptilians, the idea of UFOs being around isn't really a big stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that was very well put, David. That was yeah. I, I like what you said. Uh, fascinating stuff, um, David. I think we could talk to you for a long, long time. But uh, you, um, I guess that you're planning on on coming to Nashville for hopefully. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to work my way out there, so I'm planning on it. Excellent. Excellent. We'll do everything we can to facilitate that. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 definitely gonna make that happen for you for you to get up here. Um, tell tell people where they can find you and uh, your blog and 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 all that good stuff before we uh, we end the show. Yeah, uh, David Metcalf dot WordPress dot com um, has a ton of writings and pontification on these topics. I've also started to uh, design T shirts. Um, which there's a link that's the right-hand side top there uh, that you will see. So go get yourself a t-shirt. Um, with weird Highly items. recommended. Yeah, highly recommended. Um, the It started, uh, I did a design for the saucers will keep their secrets as sort of a, my take on the, uh, the UFO stuff, which is a pro saucer take, uh, pro UFO. Um, but yeah, there's that. And then on Twitter, David B. Metcalf, um, and those would probably be the best places to find me. Okay. Excellent. And, and you got, like you guys heard, David will be with us at uh, strange realities, 2021. And, uh, we are gearing up for that at this moment. Um, you guys, if you are coming to Nashville, it is $70 to attend all three days. We will probably have uh, some announcements about uh, the day rates if you just want to come for one day. Uh, But if you are already flying to Nashville and coming out here, you want to come for the whole thing. And uh, it is $30 to watch it online, of which you will have access to that as well if you are are coming to Nashville so that if you want to go back and watch something later, you can. And we have uh, some hotel rates right on the website to help you out when you stay here. If you are interested in uh, networking with your fellow conspiranormalists and uh, getting Airbnbs together and things like that, contact us and we can try to put you guys together. Yeah. And uh, if you guys go to the website, there is a, a lodging um, section where we have uh, the hotel that you will need to call to get the to get the special rate um and you just tell them that you're uh with strange realities conference so that is all on there and uh patreon we also have at patreon.com you can learn how to become a conspiracy normalist yourself uh for only five dollars you get a secret transmission 
every week from me and Adam. And at the $10 level, you get to join our Mystic crew and every month have a hangout where you get access to people like David and get to see uh, presentations that are exclusive, get to see cool ideas being developed and um, just get to hang out with everybody, have a good time as well. And at the $20 level, you get admitted to the ancient circle of strange realities and um, you get a f- exclusive Patreon only t-shirt and a very special experience at the strange realities conference uh, that you will be finding out about soon. So guys, check us out at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time with some uh, couple of interesting guests. We'll talk to you later on Conspiranormal. just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget Mm -mm -mm. visit carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient comfortable ah 